And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of the Burns and Allen show starring George Burns and Gracie Allen from 1950. Then Joel McRae stars as Ranger Jace Pearson, who tracks the killer of a schoolteacher on Tales of the Texas Rangers from 1952. With me is my executive producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. How's it going? I'm doing well. And uh, you know what? What? We've been talking about the Classic Radio Club, and I know you are the one that does all of the digital restoration on these shows, but we're always starting with the best quality master recordings for all of the shows that we send our Classic Radio Club members. And we are uh, working on the next set. Um, what do you think of the quality? What do you I, think of the shows? You know, everything you picked out so far is pretty good, yeah. I must say. The quality is great, and they're very interesting shows, too. And I write very copious liner notes so that if you join the club, you will not only get 10 classic radio shows on five CDs each and every month, but you'll get liner notes from me so you can learn about the shows while you're listening and enjoying the quality of the programs, too. So do go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Join for only $4.99. You will get your first five CD collection in a collector case, 10 classic radio shows for only $4.99. It's a $39.95 value. So go to ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, last time we began listening to the Burns and Allen Show from January 11th, 1950. Let's tune in to the Conclusion now of the Burns and Allen Show. Now, let's get back to Margaret Kelly. She's willing to start at $5,000 a week. Oh, I couldn't pay that kind of money to a girl with no name. Well, she's got a name, Margaret Kelly. <laughs> but that name means nothing at the box office. <laughs> Still determined to show you pictures in the box office, huh? <laughs> Gracie, she's an unknown. The name Margaret Kelly won't attract attention. Well, I've got an idea. Let's change it to Margaret Truman. <laughs> That'll attract attention. Oh, I can see it on the marquee. Margaret Truman in I Married a Republican. <laughs> Mr. Pasternak, sign the contract. Absolutely not. Mm, times are wasting. Make up your mind. I've made it up. No deal. Uh-huh. I can't wait all day. No, it's up to you to decide. Just give me your answer. Yes or no. No. N-O. Nick's never. Nothing doing. Mm, can't decide, huh? <laughs> yeah, see, Gracie, I told you we couldn't make Margaret Kelly a movie star. 
And you practically wrecked MGM. Mr. Pasternak is in bed with two doctors. Really? <laughs> You're letting that go by? In bed with two doctors. Aren't you going to say, isn't that crowded? Oh, don't be silly. Of course not. Well, good, good. Maybe for once we can have an intelligent conversation. <laughs> isn't that crowded? How do I know it's crowded? Maybe they're small doctors. <laughs> I'm a dreamer <clears throat> Well, anyway, I hope this has taught you That it's impossible to get an unknown girl into the movies Well, it certainly has, George To get into the movies, a girl has to be famous Before she ever arrives in Hollywood Of course So I've got some brilliant publicity ideas for Margaret Kelly Now, for example I'm saying that Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant are fighting over her And I'm giving that story to Luella Parsons and Hedda Hopper Honey, you can't do that. They just got married. Oh, go on. Luella and Hedda aren't even good friends. <laughs> I mean, Stuart and Grant just got married. Well, they'll certainly make a beautiful couple. couple. <laughs> Gracie, is there any way to stop this girl from getting here? No, and no. besides, some of my publicity ideas won't work until Margaret arrives. Like having a baby and posing hold for... Hold it, hold it. <laughs> you want her to have a baby? Well, that got Rita Hay with lots of publicity. <laughs> now, you'll have to excuse me, George. I've got millions of things to do. I'm going next door and borrow Harry Morton's bearskin rug and his gun. What for? Publicity pictures. I'm going to have Margaret lying on a bearskin rug in a slinky evening gown, and I've hired a man to stand beside her as a love-crazed admirer and shoot himself. You hired a stuntman? No, he's full-grown. Oh, a tall fellow. <laughs> I think I'll get in bed with Pass tonight. <laughs> oh, hello, Harry. Hard day at the office? Brutal. Dinner ready? Well, uh... Hey, where's the bearskin rug? Uh, Gracie borrowed it to use in a picture. She probably lost George's baby picture and wants to pose him like that again. <laughs> Ew, what a repulsive thought. <laughs> No, she's using the bearskin rug for publicity pictures to help the daughter of an old friend get into the movies. <laughs> she wanted your gun, too, but I didn't let her have it. Why not? <laughs> she doesn't know anything about guns. She could blow her brains out. Blanche, nobody can hit a target that small. <laughs> Gracie's brain is just as big as yours. It is, huh? When I told her I shot that bear in the Adirondack, she said, why didn't I get closer and shoot it in the head? <laughs> All right. All right. So she doesn't know from mountains. But she's sweet and kind. Always going out on a limb to help somebody. Wonder who'd go out on a limb for her? A squirrel. <laughs> One more crack about Gracie And that tooth hanging from your watch chain Will be your own All right, all right I suppose this girl she's getting into pictures Will move in with George and Gracie Making our life even more hectic Well, she was going to But I suggested that Gracie rent a little place for her So she's gone over to Henning's real estate office Poor Henning 
He went through the whole war without a scratch, and now this has to happen. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd like to rent a small mansion, please. It's, uh, it's for a movie star. I see. Any particular type of construction? Yes, yeah, she's a girl. <laughs> well, I was referring to the mansion. I have quite a nice colonial place in Beverly Hills that a movie star and his wife have been occupying. It has the white pillars and six little gables. No! Yes. But they've only been married three weeks. <laughs> Madam, the gables are on the roof Well, it's their honeymoon Let them spend it where they like uh, Perhaps I'd better show you some pictures, huh? All right uh, Nothing risque, though Pictures of houses Here we are Now look through these Here's a nice one. Oh, I'm sorry, really. That, but this house is in escrow. Is that far from Hollywood? <laughs> madam, madam, escrow is... No, I don't need the business that bad. Well, now, uh, have you got something with two swimming pools? Two swimming pools? Yes. I'd like two swimming pools and two diving boards. How about one swimming pool and a tennis court? Oh, my goodness, no. I wouldn't want to dive off a diving board and hit a tennis court. You mean again? What was that? Nothing, nothing. But I have no houses with two pools. Oh? I suggest an apartment. Oh, all right. I can rent her a bachelor for a hundred a month. Oh, no thanks, no thanks. I, I got a Bill Goodwin for nothing. <laughs> now, show me some apartments. Come in. Hi, George. Has the glamour girl arrived yet? Not yet, Bill. Hey, you're really slicked up. Tuxedo and everything. Yeah. You know, Gracie appointed me official escort for this San Francisco doll. You know, Hollywood is full of wolves, and old Bill is going to protect her. Who's going to protect her from old Bill? <laughs> My George, a girl is as safe with me as her own mother. I'm not sure her mother is safe with you. <laughs> For a straight man, you're really punching. <laughs> well, sure. How often has Gracie gone? All the time. All the time. <laughs> you beat me to that one. <laughs> uh, come in. Mr. Burns? Yes? I'm a reporter from the Associated Press. Uh, this is my photographer. Hiya. Hi. Your wife tipped us off about this, uh, about this glamorous new movie star, Margaret Kelly. Has she arrived yet? Not yet. Well, gee, we got a deadline in a few minutes. The editor told us to bring back a picture of some beautiful legs. Oh, well, if that's all you want, I'll roll up my pants. <laughs> Look, fellas, uh, this girl should arrive any minute. Go into the den and help yourself to the scotch. Okay, thanks. Come on, Joe. Right. <laughs> Joe looks like Sam the Taylor. <laughs> Guy 
Gosh, George, I wish Margaret would hurry up and get here. We're really going to do the town tonight, you know. Ciro's, Macombo, Romanoff's, the sky's the limit. That'll cost money. Yeah, I hope the kid is loaded. Uh, when you date a girl, she pays, huh? What's your contribution? Well, if I like her and she's a nice date, at the end of the evening, I give her a little squeeze. That's all? You give her a squeeze? Yeah, I always carry a tube of Amadent oh, toothpaste. Oh, oh. <laughs> squeeze of Amadent toothpaste. Well, Madge. And man, do they come back for that second squeeze. You, you see, not only does Amadent help fight tooth decay, but it tastes so delightful. It leaves your mouth feeling so fresh and clean. And remember, more dentists recommend Amadent than any other toothpaste. Phil, I know all about Amadent. I've squeezed it myself. Ooh. But I'd like to ask you one question. Before Amadent was invented, how did you keep the girls happy? Same way, gave squeeze. them a little squeeze. Oh, I see. Well, George, everything... Oh, hello, Bill. Hi, Gracie. Ah, oh, you look nice. Margaret will be thrilled. Oh, thank you. This tuxedo was the best I could do. My tails are at the cleaners. Well, I'm glad you didn't wear one. You'll find out you're a wolf soon enough. <laughs> what have you got in that bakery box, Gracie? Well, I understand the newspapers will want uh, Margaret to pose for a cheesecake picture, so I bought a cheesecake. Cheese <laughs> hey, uh, look, Mr. Burns, we got a deadline if this Kelly girl doesn't... Oh, is this her? Oh, no, no, no. I'm Mrs. Burns. I discovered Miss Kelly. Oh, good. Then you can give us a story on her. Oh, all right. She's a... What's that I smell? <laughs> oh, that's Johnny Walker. Well, he's been drinking. <laughs> don't, don't let him have the story. No, I won't. <laughs> uh... Now, about this glamour puss, is she unattached? Oh, no, no. Uh, the foot bone's connected to the leg bone. The leg, the leg bone's connected, connected to, to the, the thigh, thigh bone. And, and the, the thigh... Gracie, bone. Gracie, he means that she married. <laughs> no, she's single. Oh, single. Uh, has she made any pictures? Oh, well, uh, not, not in this country. Europe, huh? Yes, she made pictures for one of the biggest men there. Rank? No, they were very good. <laughs> is she from European parentage? Uh, I, I beg your pardon? What are her parents? One's a man and one's a woman. Hey, Gracie, a car just drove up the driveway. Oh, can you see anybody? No, just the headlights. Well, that must be Margaret. Uh, get your cameras ready, boys. Uh, George, help me spread out this bearskin rug. Okay. Now, I want a picture of Margaret in a sophisticated pose, lying on the bearskin with a, a rose between her teeth, uh, nibbling a bonbon and sipping a cocktail, uh, while she smokes a cigarette in this long holder. And Bill, you can be kissing her. How do I fight my way through all that stuff? It's going to be a little crowded. Oh, oh, there she is. Now, ready, everybody. Come in. Hello. Is this where Mrs. Burns lives? Yes, I'm Mrs. Burns. This is the right house, Mommy. Little girl, what's your name? Margaret Kelly. <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't. Well, uh, uh, we, we've kept the photographer waiting long enough, Margaret. Uh, lie down on the bearskin rug and put this rose oh, yes, and the here's this long holder, Margaret. George and Gracie will return in just a moment. Join us again next Wednesday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Harry Lubin and the Amadent Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Brought to you by the makers of Amadent. The ammoniated toothpaste and tooth powder. 
Recommended by more dentists than any other dentifrice. The George Burns and Gracie Allen program was transcribed in Hollywood, written by Paul Henning, Sid Dorfman, Larry Klein, and Harvey Helm, and produced by William Burns. Now here are our stars. Oh, now stop grumbling and go to sleep, George. It's after midnight. Gracie, this house is too small for four people. Margaret and her mother can't stay here. Oh, I found room for everybody. Now go to sleep. You'll need the rest. Okay. Turn off the light. You know, I, I hate it, George. You look so cute sleeping there on the bearskin rug. <laughs> Good night. Next Wednesday and every Wednesday, listen to the Amadent Show, starring George and Gracie. Hi. Stay tuned for Lum and Abner, who follow immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Burns and Allen Show from January 11th, 1950. Gracie's trying to help a friend win a movie job. And that was sponsored by Amadent Shampoo. I think Lisa uses that shampoo. I'm right? sure she does. I think she does. It's heard on CBS. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Tales of the Texas Rangers. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360, across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. My executive producer, Mike Costella, is with me. Lisa is on vacation. And we're going to tune in to Tales of the Texas Rangers. This was a modern Western series, and it was a lot like Dragnet. Tales of the Texas Rangers adapted actual police case files, and the main Texas Ranger was Jace Pearson, portrayed by Joel McRae. And this was a present-day series, and Pearson used the latest scientific techniques to identify criminals, and the working environments would range from big cities to isolated wilderness areas that can only be reached on horseback. It was produced and directed by Stacy Keach Sr., the dad of Stacy Keach, the actor who is best known for playing Mike Hammer on television. And this radio series ran from 1950 until 1952. We have a broadcast for you now from April 13, 1952. This is called Uncertain Death. It stars Joel McRae. Here's part one of Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. 
names, dates, and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Uncertain Death. It is shortly past 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night in July 1936. Six miles outside the town of Cambridge in east-central Texas, two elderly men approach the shore of a lake. <laughs> come on, come on, Ollie. We gotta hurry. I'm walking as fast as I can. Them frogs ain't gonna run away. That ain't the point, and you know it. Frogs for bass fishing gotta be caught and put in a beet bucket 12 hours before they can be used. Oh, that superstition, George Warner. Ain't gonna help it none going way over the other side of the lake, neither. There's plenty of frogs right here. Now, you know these frogs ain't good for bass. Only frogs them bass will eat gonna be caught on the other side where the turtles is. Oh, superstition is nothing but... Ollie. Huh? Uh, shine the light over there. Ain't that the game warden's car? He don't look nothing like it. He does, too. I wonder what he's doing out here this time of night. Let's go see. Yeah, now, don't you go poking your nose in other people's business. There ain't nobody in it. And it ain't the game warden's car. This, too. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, shine the light down toward the shore. What do you want? Yeah, there now, you see? Car belongs to that young couple sitting on the bank. Uh, sorry we disturbed you, folks. That's okay. Didn't mean to be shining that light on you. We thought you was a game warden. Yeah, sure. <laughs> How about that, Ollie? Young couple sparkling on a summer night. <laughs> Puts me in mind of when we was young and used to bring our gals out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the boat. You get in first and I'll shove off. Yeah. I'll roll. No, you neither. You start rolling. It will be five minutes before you come complaining about it. Well... Head for that patch of weeds near the cove. Best frogs in the lake. Come there nights. I still don't see no sense in going all the way over there to the other side. You'll see. Wait till we catch us some of the big mouth bass tomorrow. Oh, I sure hope we get some. Ain't nothing like big mouth bass for good eating. You ain't gonna leave me, you hear that? You ain't gonna do it. What's that? Sounds like them young people having some kind of squabble. You come back here. You better come back. That's shooting. We better get in the shore. Hey, George, if we go in there, he's liable to shoot us up too. Come on up here alongside of me. You better help roll. All right. But I still think... You quit thinking and roll. Dad, he's leaving, George. He's driving away. Keep rolling. You reckon he... Kill that girl? We don't even know it was him doing the shooting. He was the one yelling at her to come back, wasn't he? Yeah, come on, Ollie. Pull on that all. That's the first portion of Tales of the Texas Rangers. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. When the two men reached shore, they looked briefly around the area where they had seen the car. They found no one there and no indication of violence. Nevertheless, they decided to report the incident to the sheriff. After investigating the scene of the alleged shooting, 
the sheriff requested assistance from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned and arrived at the lake just after dawn. The sheriff led him toward a spot at the edge of the water. What I wanted to show you is over here, Jace. First, I thought them two old fellas must have been hearing things, though. Are you still around, Sheriff? Over there with the crowd. Funny how excitement draws people like bees around a jam jar. You want to talk to George and Ollie? Yeah, in a few minutes. There you are. When I found this, I was pretty sure there really was a shooting here. Yeah. Blood, all right. George and Ollie think it was a girl that was shot. Why? They heard the man yelling for her to come back, and then there was three, four shots. You figure she could have got up and crawled away after she was hit? That's not likely. Tracks indicate she was dragged, probably back to the car. The two men witnesses recognize either of the people? No, it was too dark. Only thing they remembered was a car, a black four-door sedan. Well, I reckon we'll just have to wait for a missing persons report. If the girl really was killed, I... What's the matter? Mind hand me that branch, Sheriff? I think I see something in the water. Sure. Thanks. Can you make out what it is? I think it's... Yeah. It is. A woman's handbag. Shoulder straps broken. That could have happened when she fell. Uh Uh-huh. Lipstick. Compact. (laughs) Driver's license. Water didn't smear the type too much, did it? No. Name's Lucy Regan. Lucy Regan? Well, that's a kindergarten teacher here in town. A real sweet kid. Nobody'd want to hurt a girl like that. We're not sure it's the girl who was hurt. Let's go find out. We drove back to town and went to Lucy Regan's rooming house. She wasn't there. Her landlady said she'd left at seven the night before and had not returned. She was fairly sure Lucy'd been out with Ken Bowman, a young cowhand from a nearby ranch. Sheriff and I went out to the ranch, arriving there about ten that morning. We learned that Bowman was with a crew setting up new fence posts about four miles from the ranch house. We took horses and started looking for them. There they are now. Down at the bottom of the slope. Uh-huh. What's all the construction work over there by the next hill, Sheriff? That's a new county road. We've been waiting for it quite a spell. You'll be glad when they get it finished. Looks like they're cutting through part of this ranch. Just a corner. Reckon that's why they're setting up new fence posts. Which one of you fellas is Ken Bowman? Yo, over here. Who, 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 Charlie? Oh, boy, hold on. Uh, what's the matter? Ranger and I'd like to talk to you. Why, sure. Anything wrong? I want to ask you some questions about Lucy Regan. What about it? Were you out with her last night? Yeah? Why? Her landlady says she hasn't been back to the house since she left with you. That ain't true. I brought her back myself. What time was this? Early. About nine o'clock. She said she had a headache. She was lying, though. How do you mean? Ah, I've taken her out five, six times in the past few months. She always makes some kind of excuse to get back early. What's the matter? Didn't you two get along? We get along all right. Except when she starts acting like a school teacher, telling me how I should talk. When you brought her home, did you take her up to the house? No. She got out of the car in front of the house. Said she didn't want me to come in. She probably had another date waiting for her inside. Last time I'm taking her out. Where'd you go after you took Lucy home? Oh, no place special. Evening was already ruined. I drove around a while, and I come back to the ranch. Did you go out to the lake? Uh-uh. I've been near the lake in weeks. Look, Ranger, why are you asking all these questions? We're afraid Lucy might have been murdered. Murdered? Just because she don't show up one morning? <laughs> she goes over to the library in Bingham a lot. Maybe that's where she's gone. See some of them college fellas. Maybe so, but you were the last person she was seen with. Oh, look, Ranger, like I say, I took the girl out five or six times. I hardly even know her. Why'd you pick on someone else? What color's your car, Bowman? 
My car. Oh, it's black. What's that got? Four-door to... sedan. Yeah. Why? Where is it now? Back at the ranch house. Suppose you stop work for a while. We'd like to see your car. Well, that is. Ain't much of a car. But on a cowpoke's pay, it's good as I can buy. Mind if I look inside? Go ahead. How'd you get the blood on the back seat? Blood? Well, I don't see no blood. Looks like you're trying to wash it off. How'd it get there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. About a month ago, I went out shooting rabbits. I got a couple and put them on the back seat. Funny you didn't put something under them before you set them in the car. I did. Had them in a burlap sack. Blood must have soaked through. You sleep in one of the bunkhouses over there? That's right. We'd like to take a look at your bunk. Hey, look, what's this all about? Some girl goes out of town without telling nobody, so right away you come picking on me. Just because I was out with a couple of times. Including last night. Sure, including last night. That you still ain't no... You want to show us your bunk now? All right. You're welcome to look at anything you want. Thanks. You know, if you really think something happened to Lucy, why don't you go talk to some of them college boys you runs with? We'll check on them later. Where's your bunk? Right here. First one. Let me see what's in that suitcase under the bunk. Okay. Well, go ahead, look. This your pistol? Yeah. Cleaned it recently, haven't you? This morning, I like a clean gun. When was the last time you used it? I don't know. Maybe a month ago. Time I shot rabbit. Any special reason for cleaning it this morning? No. Just thought it needed cleaning. You're trying awful hard to prove I had something to do with Lucy's murder, ain't you, Randy? We're not sure she's dead. Yeah, but if she is, you're sure going to try and pin it on me, ain't you? We'll all get along better if you'll take that chip off your shoulder, Bowman. I ain't got a chip on my shoulder. I just don't like to be pushed around. I keep telling you, I hardly know Lucy Rigg. There's a suit hanging over here. Is it yours? Yeah. You wear it last night? Sure. It's the only suit I got. Did you know there was blood on the edge of the sleeve? What? Is that rabbit blood too, Bowman? How'd I know? Blood's blood, ain't it? Not after it gets to our lab. They can tell in a hurry if it's animal or human blood. I want to take this suit in the back seat of your car along. Sure, take them. Frame it right down the line. I bet you if I wasn't a cowhand and had a lot of money, you wouldn't treat me this way. Now, you look Just here, Just a minute, you... Sheriff. Bowman, I'm going to lay the cards right on the table. Lucy Regan's disappeared. From information we have, I'd say it's a good bet she's dead. I didn't kill her. Maybe not. But you were with her last night. A car like yours was seen at the place where we think Lucy was shot, and there's blood in your car and on your suit. Well, you now look, I know all this looks bad, but I didn't kill Lucy. I didn't kill her. What I have to do to prove it to you? I know a good way to begin. Well, how? We've got a machine at Austin called a polygraph, better known as a lie detector. We can't force you to take the test, but if you do, it could help to put you in the clear. Well, I'm not afraid of your lie detector. I'm telling the truth. You want me to take this test? I'd sure like you to. Well, all right. Just wait till I tell the boss I have to go to Austin. And I'm ready for any test you want to give me. Now, when I start the machine again, I'm going to ask you some more questions. You just answer yes or no. All right. You live near Cambridge, Texas? Yeah. You know Lucy Regan? Yeah. Did you eat breakfast this morning? Yeah. You own a black four-door sedan? Yeah. Did you shoot Lucy Regan? No. Did you come to Austin in a plane? Yeah. Were you out at Brandt Lake last night? No. You know who shot Lucy Regan? No. All right. 
I think that'll be all. What's it say? Well, you have to ask the ranger about that. If he wants to tell you, it's up to him. I got a right to know what it says. Come on, let's go in the next room. I don't see why you won't tell me what it says. It's my test in it. I got a right to know. All through? All through. He won't tell me what it says, Ranger. You'll know soon enough. Sheriff, take Bowman into that office across the hall. I'll be along in a minute. Sure, come on, Bowman. Now, look, you said I didn't have to take this test. Now you won't tell me. How about it? Well, I asked him all the questions. Look at the graph. Now, here's where I asked him if he shot Lucy Regan. And here, if he was out the lake last night. Uh Uh-huh. Don't know what you got on him, Jace, but according to this, that boy's lying. We kept Ken Bowman at headquarters while the lab tested his suit and the back seat of his car. A little after four that afternoon, the lab called and said the blood on both the upholstery and the sleeve of his suit was human blood. Bowman hardly batted an eye when we told him the news. There's one thing for sure. You were somebody else that's sure trying to frame me. You know better than that. What about the lie detector, Bowman? That shows you weren't telling the truth. Oh, that's a lot of hogwash. You sure can't make me believe that thing never misses. There was human blood in your car and on your sleeve. Where'd it come from? How'd I know? Maybe I cut myself. You sure it wasn't Lucy's blood? You sure you didn't shoot her? Keep on asking that, Ranger, and I keep telling you. I wasn't the only one who went out with her. I want to go back to Cambridge. As soon as the pilot calls and says the plane's ready. You had no right bringing me here in the first place. You didn't have to come along. I told you that. And while we're waiting, suppose you answer a few more questions. But I told you everything I know. How many times are you going to make... Probably the pilot. You want me to get it, Jay? Uh-huh. Why'd you lie to us about the blood in your car? Yeah, I didn't lie. Why do you keep on asking? It was human yeah, blood. Right, How did it get there? You got no one else to pick on. That's why you keep asking me questions. That was a lab, Jase. What'd they say? Said they found different kinds of dust and soil particles in Bowman's suit. They'll do a detailed analysis if you want it. That depends on you, Bowman. What do you mean? Why does it depend on me? Because we think you buried Lucy Regan's body somewhere. And when you did, you got soil particles on your clothes. What? What can you prove from that? It could lead us to where Lucy's body's buried. Oh, how? The lab has samples of soil from every part of Texas, thousands of samples. They'll compare them with the particles found in your suit. They take time, but we're not going to stop until we find that body. Now, how about it, Bowman? All right. I'll save you the trouble. I killed her. I shot her last night. Where was this? At the lake. We had a fight. She was running away. I shot her. Then I put a body in the car. Where'd you bury her? I didn't bury her. I drove down to the Lake Narrows. You know, Sheriff, where the bridge is. I weighted a body down with rocks and threw off the bridge. Can you show us where it is? Yeah. I can show you. Sheriff, will you go across the hall and tell them we want two witnesses? Ready to take down Ken Bowman's confession. Bowman repeated in front of two witnesses and a stenographer what he'd already told us. I requested headquarters to supply us with a diver to help locate Lucy Regan's body in the lake. We returned to Cambridge, arriving after midnight. By five the next morning, we'd set up a diving raft. At daylight, the diver was lowered into the water at the spot Bowman indicated. I stayed on the raft with a telephone. What's taking him so long? Why can't he find it? How about it, Joe? See anything? Nothing here, Chase. I'm out as far as I can go. You sure this is a place you threw the body, Bowman? Of course I'm sure. What do you say, Jace? Hold it a second, Joe. Bowman, where'd you get the rocks to weight down the body? Uh, I reckon was from over there. You carried them all the way over here? I don't know, Ranger. It was dark. Maybe it... Yeah, that's right. 
I'm Emmett. I was down the other end of the bridge. Stand by to come up, Joe. We're going to try another spot. Hold on. Bowman, we've been looking around this bridge for seven hours. Are you sure you put Lucy's body in the water here? Oh, Ranger, I thought I did. I, I don't know. Wait I... a minute. There's another bridge a mile further down. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe that's the one you meant. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is. be dark soon, Jace. Looks like we'll have to give it up for today. Yeah. But it must be here, Ranger. I... I remember everything now. Yes, I do. I, I was right on the corner of that bridge, right up there. Can you hear me, Chase? Go ahead. Nothing in this area. If we're going on, we'll have to get some lights. Stand by to come up, Joe. That's all for today. Sheriff, put Bowman in the boat. We're going back to the car. How long can that diver stay with us, Chase? As long as we need him, I'll call headquarters and say we want him for at least tomorrow. I sure hope we find that body. Yeah, Sheriff. You've got to find Lucy's body to keep me in jail, don't you? We'll find it tomorrow or the next day. We're going to keep looking until we do find it. Ah. Uh, well, it's too bad you have to look for it without me, ain't it? What? Tomorrow you'll be looking for Lucy's body and I'm going back to the ranch. Are you crazy? No, no. But you are if you try to hold me. You're not forgetting you signed a confession, are you, Bowman? Confession? What confession? Now, look here. You signed a confession in front of two witnesses that you killed Lucy Reed. Well, sure I did. Because you made me. You made me say I killed Lucy, but I didn't kill her. You're going back on your confession. Is that what you're trying to say, Bowman? Wait a minute. I heard this boy with my own ears. He said he shot Lucy Regan and threw a body in the lake. Did I? What body? <laughs> there never was a body. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Put Bowman back in his cell, Jake. Good. We let him stay there tonight anyhow. Yeah, and he don't want to stay there at all. He started howling like a coyote when I told him now we were holding him for obstructing justice. Yeah, it was some wild goose chase he led us on today. How about that? First, he says he did kill her. Let us look for the body. Knows it ain't where we're looking, then says he didn't kill her. We gonna let him get away with that? Not if I can help it. We've got to find Lucy Regan's body. Yeah, if we don't, that confession of his ain't worth a thing. Why do you figure he did it? Somehow I feel he's stalling for time. He must have some reason for wanting us to go off on a false lead. But why? I just don't get it. It's got to be something he did with the body. Something that made him feel he'd be safe after a couple of days' time. And it beats me. Wait a minute. You remember when it was he confessed? Well, it was just after I took that call from the lab. Yeah, before that, nothing fazed him. The lie detector, the blood didn't even bother him. But as soon as I started talking about soil particles, he folded up. What's that sound like to you, Sheriff? Could be he didn't want the lab to go any further with that analysis. Uh-huh. It's up to us to find out why. I'm going to call Austin have him analyze every grain of soil they found in that boy's suit. I phoned the lab. They said they'd analyze the soil particles and give us an answer as quickly as possible. We waited the whole night. At 7 the next morning, we went across the street to a restaurant to get some breakfast. We left word to have a call transferred there. Ten minutes later, it came through. I spoke to the lab technician and walked back to the table where the sheriff was sitting. Anything interesting, Jase? Maybe. Is any granite around here, Sheriff? Nearest deposits Marble Falls, a couple of hundred miles away. Why? The lab found granite dust in the weave of Bowman's coat and some on the inside lining. Well, they do use granite for some of the construction work around here. Uh-huh. Like that road they're building out there near the ranch where Bowman works. Yeah. They use crushed granite gravel on the roadbed. 
That could be how Bowman got it on his suit. Wait a minute, though. Why'd he wear his good suit around a construction job? He wouldn't. Unless he had some special reason for being there. Well, I don't follow you. We know Bowman's been in a spot where he could watch the progress of that road for weeks. We also know there was some reason why he stalled us for a couple of days. Jeez. You think he buried that girl's body in the roadbed? That's the only thing that makes sense so far. But why would he dig up the gravel? Be much easier to bury her in the part of the road where they hadn't put gravel yet. That's just what I think he did. Picked a section of the road that was about to be graveled and started his digging. Then he could have left that coat of his on a pile of gravel nearby while he was working. More than likely. So that's why he was stoned. Figured we'd never find a body once that section was paved. Who's in charge of that construction job, Sheriff? The field engineer. Come on. Let's go find him. When we spoke to the field engineer out of the job, we got our first break. He told us that since Wednesday night when Lucy Regan had disappeared, a mile of road had been graveled. But a machinery breakdown late Thursday had prevented that section from being paved. He also informed us that a man answering Bowman's description had approached him early Thursday morning and asked a number of questions about the paving schedule. We were fairly sure now that we were on the right track. We had to know the exact location of the body, and only Bowman had that answer. Our problem was to get him to talk. We worked out a plan and then drove back to town. When we picked up Bowman, he thought we were taking him home. He said nothing until we moved onto the stretch of newly paved highway. This ain't the way to the ranch house. Nobody said it was. I, I thought you'd take me home. Where are you taking me? You'll find out. This is a new highway. Ain't finished yet. It don't lead nowhere. It could lead further than you think. What are you talking about, Ranch? Look, I won't get out. Stop the call in here. In a minute, Bowman. We're almost to the end of the paved section. A band? You're crazy. It goes further than this. You can see those men up there, Bowman. Pavement don't go no further than that. But that's just where they were Thursday morning. Uh-huh. They had a machinery breakdown. Haven't been able to do any more paving until now. What's the matter, Bowman? I won't get out of here. I want to get out of here. You're getting out. Come on. Where are you taking me? Just over here, the beginning of the gravel section. Part you thought would already be paved. What are you talking about? Look at it, Bowman. A mile of road covered with fresh gravel. And somewhere under that mile of gravel, Lucy Regan is buried. You're crazy. You buried her there. We're going to find her body and give her a decent burial. See those men over there, Bowman? Rangy, I... They're waiting until we give the word to start digging. If they have to, they'll dig up that whole mile of road. You can save us a lot of trouble by telling us exactly where you buried her. Rangy, I... All right. I kill it. I kill it. Show us where you buried her body. I want to marry her. She's the only girl I ever want to marry. I told her how crazy I was about her. She laughed at me. <laughs> she laughed at me. Where's the body, Bowman? Under there. Where? Point out the spot. <laughs> There's a couple of feet in the state. I, I don't want to watch him dig. Take me out of here. Please take me out of here. Ranger, All right, please. men. <laughs> Start working by that stake over there. Please take me out of here. I confess. He confessed twice. This time we're going to make sure your confession holds up. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Lucy Regan's body was discovered at the place Bowman had indicated. A ballistics check of three bullets found in her body proved they came from Ken Bowman's gun. Bowman, convicted of murder, was sentenced to life imprisonment at Huntsville. 
Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae will soon be seen in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. The cast included Tony Barrett, Harry Lang, Howard McNear, Ken Christie, and Ernie Newton. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gipney speaking. Next, enjoy 90 minutes of comedy, drama, and music on The Big Show on NBC. And that's Tales of the Texas Rangers from April 13, 1952, with Uncertain Death, starring Joel McRae. Also in that cast, Harry Lang, Howard McNear, Ken Christie, and Tony Barrett, with Hal Gibney doing the announcing as heard on NBC. Program produced and directed by Stacy Keach Sr. Let's take a break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, we have a good detective adventure of Crime and Peter Chambers starring Dane Clark. Then, it's part one of You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx from 1949. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then. <laughs> 